Welcome to Voices of the Belton Road podcast, brought to you by the Belton Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belton Road Initiative. Voices of the Belton Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belton Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-out. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Voices of the Bell and Road podcast. This is your host Max Roma and today we discuss a highly anticipated topic that many of you wanted to hear about, innovation in China and China's digital Silk Road. With us is a very distinguished guest, Professor Chen Dongmin, who is Dean of the School of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Peking University. He's a physicist by training and also a serial entrepreneur who holds many international patents. Professor, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me to participate in today's episode and thanks to the audience for listening to this program. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Chen Dongmin. I am a professor at the Academy for Advanced Interdisciplinary Studies of Peking University. I went to the United States to study in 1981. After I received a doctorate in physics, I pursued scientific research at Harvard University. I taught there for 15 years. In 2004, I went to Silicon Valley, where I participated in founding two companies related to computer chips technology. In 2011, at the invitation of the then president, I returned to Peking University. After I joined Peking University, I stopped teaching physics. For the first five years, I was mainly responsible for developing the scientific and technological achievements of Peking University. During this process, I discovered the capacity of Peking University to pioneer in education. Consequently, in 2012, we started a program that fosters entrepreneurship education. This year, the School of Innovation and Entrepreneurship was officially established. I hope to further develop and upgrade this pioneering interdisciplinary education program of Peking University. Last year, I was also invited by the Yenqing Academy of Peking University to teach a course there. I run English language seminars on innovation, and also seminars on innovation with Chinese characteristics. Students from Peking University are very motivated to take this course. I think that this is a very important part of the future development of China, which needs to work on training its human capital and help talents flourish. By being at the forefront of this, I believe Peking University will play its own important role in tackling China's development needs. Peking University, or Beida, is one of the foremost places of learning and innovation in China. Many important startups and now big companies once started here and are moving out into the world, moving out along the Belt and Road. What is your approach to foster innovation and entrepreneurship at this institution? At present, there are three aspects to the talent training system at Peking University, which spearheads China's fostering of innovation and entrepreneurship. First one is the education system. 
That is the School of Innovation and Entrepreneurship, which explores ways of integrating innovation and entrepreneurship training into the traditional education system. Peking University has also set up a global center for innovation and entrepreneurship education, which has provided students with great resources involving creative spaces and access to relevant academic events. It has to be said that innovation and entrepreneurship education in all the universities around the world has historically been regarded as a marginal subject. But in recent years, as the importance of innovative entrepreneurship is being recognized, many leading universities in the world, including some top universities in China, added innovative entrepreneurship training to their portfolio. We believe that this entrepreneurship education is aimed primarily at training students through developing their ability to solve problems. This should be combined with a traditional system focused on knowledge acquisition. Second, aside from our education programs, we work on solving specific and urgent challenges that China faces at its current stage of development. The country's rapid development led to many social challenges, such as environmental protection or food safety issues. There are also challenges related to our cooperation with Belt and Road countries. All these issues need new solutions. To tackle the problems of social development in China and other countries, technological innovation has to be combined with social innovation, and that is the goal of the School of Innovation and Entrepreneurship of Peking University, which offers a full range of humanities and social sciences and doesn't solely focus on spurring innovation and entrepreneurship through technology. The university is also supported by its outstanding alumni network. Additionally, Peking University is trusted by the state and has become a model base for Chinese universities' innovation and entrepreneurship education. We will continue to explore new educational and entrepreneurial models and pass our experience to other Chinese universities. Our infrastructure is already impressive, but there is still a lot of work ahead of us. And all this is closely related to the Belt and Road Initiative. For instance, last year, a very famous Beijing forum was held in Pakistan at the National University of Sciences and Technology. I remember very clearly when the president of the university invited me for a more than two hours long meeting during which we discussed how universities should conduct business education and how to best construct curriculum that would support business education in Pakistan. This is for me a point in case. Many countries along the Belt and Road like China also attach great importance to the education of innovation and entrepreneurship. And we hope that in the future, Peking University's experience can be exported and shared with scholars from the education sector along the Belt and Road. In the past, we have often discussed the term Digital Silk Road. How do you define the term uh, Digital Silk Road in your own words and what future role do you think does the Digital Silk Road or digitalization play in the Belt and Road? In recent years, the Chinese government has invested an impressive amount of nearly 25 billion US dollars in the development of a satellite system called Beidou Navigation Satellite System. The government continues to make huge investments in its development. As far as I know, at present, we have about 30 satellites that cover a very wide range spanning Belt and Road routes and countries. This helps to provide essential navigation services in those Belt and Road countries which would otherwise struggle to develop their own system. It is also vital for the infrastructure buildup in the region. Moreover, nowadays, most industries cannot be separated from digital technologies. Wireless communication and related benefits of its application have already become a basic function of infrastructure. 
Upgrading Belt and Road countries' infrastructure through utilizing such technologies will play a crucial role in ensuring that the infrastructure buildup will be high quality and successful. Now, the tech and startup scene in China are booming. And a lot of Chinese companies are now starting to move out to countries along the Belt and Road. So I'm wondering which of these tech companies from China have been most successful along the Belt and Road and what Chinese technologies were most successful in spreading out? In the course of China's development over the past 20 to 30 years, there have been many very successful cases to learn from. First of all, China's manufacturing industry. After 30 years of development, the industry is now very mature and spans across a range of industries. China's manufacturing has already grown internationally and has become very competitive. It offers a good basis for cooperation with Belt and Road countries, as there is a demand from Chinese manufacturers to expand and cooperate internationally. Many manufacturing companies are still based in China due to labor costs which remain lower than that of developed countries. However, most BRI countries are developing countries with lower wage costs than China. This presents an opportunity for Chinese manufacturers to relocate their production abroad and save costs. That simultaneously will increase local employment and play into Belt and Road's agenda of harmonious development. In its journey moving up the value chain from traditional low-value industries to sophisticated high-value industries, China has learned a lot. It has moved from small-scale and inefficient production to large-scale and highly efficient production, from weak to strong. This kind of experience is valuable not only in business, but also in drafting an overall development strategy and can be shared with developing countries along the Belt and Road Initiative. That is why it makes sense for the representatives of Belt and Road countries to visit China in order to learn from the country's best development practices. Second, over the past 30 years, our internet industry has become one of the world's leaders. The main reason for this is, of course, China's huge market, but also the fact that the Chinese government has made considerable investment in its Internet infrastructure. Therefore, our wireless communication systems are all relatively developed and allow companies to explore new business models based on Internet technologies within this vast market. Examples are e-commerce platforms such as Taobao or Jingdong, or social platforms such as Tencent social platform QQ, or WeChat, as well as information company like Baidu, these road countries, and the Chinese experience can be shared with them. Examples that could be replicated are digital wallet and digital payment system. It helped China to address the issue of recording small payments, particularly ones made by low-income families who did not have credit record. Now, as WeChat and Alipay cooperate with banks, new and innovative possibilities are available for accessing credit. This allows money to circulate more efficiently. Such solutions may be quickly adopted in other countries along the Belt and Road. Let's move to another topic. Um, blockchain holds great potential to upgrade supply chains, logistics and trade. Do you already see attempts to include this technology from the Chinese side in Chinese investments abroad or trade with international partners? And, and what is your prediction for the adaptation of this technology in the context of logistics and BRI? This is a very good and timely question. China is catching up with developed countries rapidly, especially in emerging industries. China embraces a very high number of emerging technologies, developing particularly rapidly in two areas, artificial intelligence and blockchain. 
Although the Chinese government abolished the use of trading tokens and cryptocurrencies in September 2017, China has clearly distinguished blockchain technology from cryptocurrencies. The Chinese government and Chinese entrepreneurs fully recognize the potential of the decentralization offered by blockchain technology. The fact that the technology allows to trace back the data flow and prevents any falsifications offers great opportunities for China's upgrade of, for example, supply chain management. The technology could also accelerate financing of small and medium-sized enterprises and develop a suitable financing model for SMEs. As a result, more than 1,000 startups based in China are currently exploring blockchain technologies. Cross-border supply chain management is another area set to benefit from implementation of blockchain technologies. This would also have impact of Chinese e-commerce platforms and their capacity to operate within the countries along the Belt and Road. Blockchain can help to bring Chinese e-commerce to other countries. In fact, last week I was in Qingdao, attending a discussion on building a cross-border platform for economic cooperation with the hope of making use of regional implementation of blockchain technologies. Of course, at this stage, the discussion is still focused on the technical side of this project rather than governmental or legal ones. Even the Chinese government itself has not yet issued clear regulations on blockchain technologies. We are urging the government to proceed quickly, at the same time encouraging blockchain startups in the region to form a community of their own to safeguard the integrity of the regional blockchain system. But such cross-regional usage of blockchain technology is not a simple matter as a number of countries have to jointly introduce the same set of regulations on these technologies. Think about trade relationships involving multinational cooperation, reducing various tariffs on transnational transactions, money conversion. All these are complex issues, but they may be solved with a single click and a payment of a small fee. I believe that we're on the right course, and it is a very promising direction. We hope that blockchain technology will quickly take off in countries along the Belt and Road, unlocking such possibilities as a fast cross-border payment system in trading transactions. Similarly, great opportunities lie within logistic supervision, as there would not be a single body to supervise the process, but the supervision would become decentralized. However, all this requires implementing a system of unified processes, which may take a significant amount of time to put together. I hope that this blockchain technology will be available soon, but it seems that we may still need to wait for it. I have one last question for you today, and that is about the fact that the Belt and Road thus far has predominantly been led by larger companies, particularly Chinese state-owned enterprises, SOEs. And I'm wondering, where is the room here for small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs? So, for example, if I was an entrepreneur or I had a small or medium-sized tech firm um, and I wanted to get involved and I came for you to ask for advice, what would you tell me to do? Well, you raise a very good question. It is also the issue that concerned me during my last visit to Pakistan. At present, the major investments connected to the Belt and Road Initiative are made by Chinese government investment funds and large state-owned enterprises. However, large private enterprises also have means to tap into Belt and Road projects through their connections with government. For small and medium-sized enterprises, it has really been quite difficult to tap into the Belt and Road, and until now I haven't seen a good platform that would allow this kind of cooperation between SMEs of various countries. 
More commonly, such cooperation takes place by establishing local partnerships or entering joint ventures. To ensure Belt and Road projects are inclusive to all firms, we need to do two things. First, we have to establish an investment institution to grant SMEs access to capital. Such a platform could support the cooperation between SMEs. I believe that the Chinese government is going to establish such institutions to complement the government-led funds. The next step would be for government to allow the private sector to invest in these funds. The second issue is the diversity of business culture that varies between organizations, companies, and entrepreneurs coming from different countries. This forms a barrier to SMEs participating in BRI projects. That calls for establishing an education platform which would help to establish interpersonal connections and provide a greater understanding of doing business in different countries. We all know that one of the major functions of management schools is to establish connections between entrepreneurs. I have often discussed this with professors from Guanghua School of Management here at Peking University. I propose that we should run classes that bring together entrepreneurs from different Belt and Road countries, even for short-term training. And in the process, they explore possibilities of cross-border cooperation. Such programs should target primarily SMEs, as at this stage, their cooperation proves most challenging. At present, there doesn't exist a good platform to solve such issues. Therefore, I believe that it is very valuable that you have decided to open this consulting and information platform. The question is how to make China invest abroad and support SMEs in Belt and Road countries. A good service platform could help to quickly solve many issues, promote business cooperation, and support SMEs' cooperation. These issues will be very important in the future. All right, that's it for today's episode. Again, thank you very much, Professor Chen, for taking the time to guide us through innovation in China and the digital Silk Road. And we look very much forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, V E N T U R E S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. <laughs>